Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. And we have two good guests on our show today for this segment. We have Mr. John Pennington. Now, he's a retired U.S. Army officer and the Chicago Regional Office Assistant at the Veterans Service Center Manager. Now, he's a football coach, a father, veteran Army officer. He's with us today on the line. Can, can you hear us? Yes, sir. I can hear you. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. And also, appreciate it. Appreciate it pretty good. And also joining Mr. Pennington is Melissa Jolly. She's a retired U.S. Air Force veteran and a Chicago Regional Office Training Coach and Outreach Coordinator. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you for having us. It's my pleasure. Now, uh, one thing, Melissa, I looked at your, your profile. I had, a, I had one thing that I noticed on here uh, that caught my attention. So you started out in the military as a jet engine mechanic and a fuel truck driver. Okay, those are two, first of all, those are two yep. MOSs that you don't normally see women uh, take on. You don't think of it, at least in any way. I was a mechanic in the military myself. So you did, went from that... And then you became a mental health technician. So how did you make that? What was that transition about? And I know that's going to lead into what we're going to talk about. So how did, what was that all about? Well, that transition was more so of a, a location move. I was stuck overseas in Okinawa, Japan. And to get back stateside, it was more of a move uh, to, to transition. And, well, in addition to that, I was also interested in the mental health service line um, and helping others. I've always had a position, always want to help serve, and I am a, a person of empathy, and I like to be there for my friends. So it was something I was interested in as well. Okay. And then, Mr. Pennington, you were a football coach and a father of five. So how does that play into what we're about to talk about? So give us a little kind of brief synopsis. Because being a football coach in the year, I got a fire. I just know that automatically. you got to have fire in your <laughs> belly to be a football coach. That's right. And you got five kids to, to father. So that's, I know that's a lot on your plate. So, But at the same time, you are basically doing an outreach events to try and, and do what? What exactly are these outreach events about? So uh, to the Chicago Regional Office, we want to expand our outreach initiative across the state of Illinois. Not traditionally we try we do it in the local area, but we want to expand that. So we want to – we want – everyone to know that we're ready to go out even to rural areas so we're so dedicated to that that we actually create a position which melissa jolly is our outreach coach so she's in charge of going out trying to get outreach activities we want to spread the word that we're ready to come out we want to talk to you um, not only that we also are one of three stations that are testing out a vera appointment-based system where traditionally you walk in the regional office, there's usually long wait times. We try to want to mitigate that a little bit. So the idea is that you go to this website, you schedule an appointment, and you can walk in, and your appointment is ready for you. Not only that, you have two options, in person, or if you're more in a rural area, you can't really get out to see us, or maybe it's an inconvenience coming to our location, finding all that parking. Um, you can also do a virtual appointment where we can call you um, and do the same thing that we do face-to-face. We can send you letters, anything that you need, any assistance we need, you may need, we can walk you through it. So we expect that to be rolled out nationally, but right now it's still available to our 
uh, Illinois veterans. So we do have a website. Um, I don't if you guys want it. I'm sure you do. Um, What's it the website? Is, it, it is H https colon forward slash forward slash vets v-e-t-s dot force f-o-r-c-e forward slash v-a vera which is v-a v-e-r-a forward slash s forward slash so you could go on that website and you could schedule appointment um pretty easy even if you need reschedule or cancel you could go right to this website Usually within five to 15 minutes, you will get an email verifying your appointment. Um, and we get that appointment notification as well straight to us. And easy as that. And we will look forward to seeing you on your appointment date. That sounds fascinating. Now, the thing I want to rewind a little bit to give some people that are not veterans kind of an insight is what we're really talking about. So in the VA system, um, when you're a veteran, you don't automatically just get these these benefits are showered upon you. They don't just fall out the sky and you start getting all these, these great benefits. You have to apply for these benefits, and that's a process involved with that. And sometimes that process can be long and arduous to try to get these benefits. A lot of paperwork that could be involved. And what you guys do is actually help people fill out their paperwork and get appointments to do what they need to do to get these benefits. Is that correct? Yes, sir. We will help you any way we can. If you have a question, we can walk you through it if you need help. Found a claim, we could do that for you as well. Melissa, could you explain like some of the benefits? Where are the most common benefits people are trying to get through the the, the military or through the VA? Sure. Um, so when our the whole purpose of us doing this outreach initiative is to reach out to our veterans and claimants and um, the fellow stakeholders throughout the state and let them know how they can apply for these benefits. What we see most common is that people want to get information on how, how do they get service connected? Uh, how do they get in touch with their education benefits, home loans, um, type of uh, pension, non-service connection pension, education, VR&E, which is veteran readiness and employment. Um, but most of all, the most uh, common of all those is how do I get service-connected disability compensation? I think that's the most common asked question. And that's specifically what we um, specialize in at the Chicago Regional Office um, in the Veterans Service Center. We have also VRNE that does work um, in the Chicago Regional Office, but um, specifically in the Veterans Service Center, we, we focus on that in our outreach initiatives. Okay. And then have you seen an uptick in people applying for benefits? And, and also describe when you apply for benefits, what's the process like as far as uh, how much paperwork is involved? Like what, how much, did, what's the timeline before you get, you get approved? Is it likely you're, you're going to get approved? Those types of issues that people think about when they, as veterans, we know this because, you know, many of us have applied for benefits and sometimes we get, people get frustrated, especially if you're a family member of a, of a veteran trying to apply for benefits. What's the process like once they get in, in, uh, in communication with you guys? Well, the goal is 90 days. Um, and if a veteran submits everything in the fully developed claim process um, and has everything that they need up front, and we tell them specifically when a veteran is applying for a claim, um, every single thing that they need. And for each specific thing that they're claiming, this is what you need. The evidence must show these particular things in order to be service-connected. And if the veteran does submit everything that we need up front, the, short, the timeline is shortened significantly. Okay. Wow. Um, typically, you know, they'll go for an examination and, and the claims process will go through if it's warranted. And the goal, again, is 90 days. Okay. 
And then have you seen an uptick in people participating or people coming out and then uh, maybe people that have been denied benefits in the past? And also explain that because people, like I said, a lot of uh, civilians don't understand that the, v, the VA system is so confusing and so um, foreign because we're used to as, as civilians, um, you have you go, if you get a job someplace and you have health insurance, you just go and go to the doctor. You don't have to fill out, you know, a, a form or any kind of a, a proof of paperwork to show that your that your uh, health problem needs to be covered by your insurance. But that's not the case in the, in the veteran system. Correct. No, not necessarily. And you know, I have I have seen an uptake to answer your question. Um, and I think we, as a, the VA as a whole, as I think knowledge is more readily available for everybody out there um, with the internet, social media. Um, more outreach efforts, and that's the purpose of what, what we're trying to do. We're getting the word out there more, and we have veteran service officers that are there to help us, people like you on the radio you know, and media, that we do have an uptake in um, claims processing. I, and I also think that veterans are claiming more conditions, where back in the day veterans would only claim a couple of things and you know, think the rest wasn't really combat-related. They didn't think service-connected disability. They were thinking this wasn't combat. But I think that now with the more availability of knowledge and education that there is more veterans claiming more disabilities. And, John, you were a, a military officer in the Army. So as an officer, with your perspective, as a person in leadership, a person who's um, in charge of a, of, of, a, of a unit of some, of, some, of some level, what do you see needs to be done going forward? What are things that the VA system or even Congress, if necessary, could change and make the process easier for veterans to get access to their benefits? Well, that's a great question. I think the first thing I know when – as a retired officer, when I was getting out, I didn't know much about VA, even what they were, or what services they offered. I think the first step, I think we need to expand like the knowledge to more veterans and more uh, service men and women that are getting out of service that, hey, this is a VA. Here's what we all have to offer. Here's what you can expect. I think if we um, help expand their knowledge of what like what Melissa was saying, what is a service-connected condition? It doesn't have to be combat. It's anything that happened to you while you're in service. Maybe you hurt your knee or your back. You can be compensated for that because you incurred it while on duty. Same with any job out in the civilian world. If you, you can file compensation for any injuries, um, we just need to expand the knowledge of that. And I think um, sometimes in the news you see a lot of bad things about what VA does wrong, but you don't necessarily see what we do right, where I know here, Chicago Regional Office, we pride ourselves in providing world-class customer service, and we never kick the can down the road. So if we get an email or a veteran contact us, hey, we need help, even though it may not be our jurisdiction, we will find the answer and help you all the way through until we could get finalized, I think. I think that's what separates Chicago from majority of our peers is that we are willing to help. Mm-hmm. We want to help, and we'll do any means necessary because the majority of us here at the regional office, we're veterans ourselves, where we have tie to veterans, and we're very compassionate about helping our fellow veterans any way that we can. And to answer your question, yeah, we just – that's why we have Melissa. We need to expand our outreach initiative across the state of Illinois, saying, hey, we're here to help you. And we'll do everything we can to make sure you get a grant when necessary. So we're still under that mindset, grant when we can, deny only if we have to, only if we have to. 
And then what are those denials like? I mean, so you say sometimes people have to get or denied their benefits. What are the reasons mm-hmm. why they get denied often? You yeah, sure. Great them? question. Um, so a lot of times is that maybe the injury really it didn't happen while in service. Maybe it happened two or three years down the road after they got out. Or maybe there was just no medical documentation. Or I know Melissa will be able to answer it better than I can. She was a former Raider. So she actually decided these claims. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Melissa, if you want to jump in and help me out, but I think I think we're sure, in agreement. A lot of it in. has to do with you have to establish that link, right? So Melissa, so what is that what is what are some of the reasons that people get denied or what are the some of the holdups and how did, and also too a follow up question to that would be what how does a veteran typically react to that I mean so if someone um, is hurt or they feel like they have an injury and then they're denied for whatever reason how do they respond to that and what is their what are their recourses for that what can they do if they're denied a, a service Sure I can answer this and that's a great question it gets asked often so I'm going to give a very basic of what you need to be service connection connected. There's three pillars to this. So the first thing you need is a in-service event. It doesn't have to be an actual diagnosis, but an event or injury or diagnosis in service has to happen. So that's your first pillar. The second one is you have to have a current diagnosis. So whatever that is, your that that, that has to be diagnosed today, currently. The third piece is we need a link between the two. So we need a doctor that's going to say that the current diagnosed condition is related to that in-service event. And a lot of times the the missing piece is either that current disability um, saying, you know what, yeah, we know you hurt your knee in service, but right now there's nothing wrong with you. You know, the knee is perfectly fine um, according to medical evidence. It's, it's not just, you know, based on what uh, a Raider says. It's medical evidence doesn't show that a currently diagnosed condition exists or sometimes that that link. So we don't have a medical opinion that says that the current diagnosed condition is related to the in-service event. And that happens often when injuries happen in the middle. So you may have a knee injury in service that fully resolved, and then maybe you had a car crash that happened 10 years later and you re-injured your knee and had a total knee replacement as a result. Oftentimes, a medical professional will say the current diagnosed condition is related to something else and not the military service. Now, to answer your second question about how do they react, um, not not well. And I'm a veteran myself, and I've been denied myself. So to be denied on something is, is definitely crushing, um, especially when you know that, you know, this, this happened in service. You feel, you know, even though I'm not a medical professional, I feel this is when this began. So what a veteran needs to remember is those three pieces of evidence by law, the VBA is required to have those pieces of evidence. So find that missing piece. If what we're missing is a current diagnosis, if you don't have it, you don't have it. But maybe, you know, you didn't explain to your provider exactly what's wrong with you. So they don't understand the current depths of your pain or your illness. And, you know, some people do minimize. So, you know, the, the key is to get that missing link. Do you need that, that link um, diagnosing the current condition and relating it to service? Do you need a current diagnosis? Or are we missing that piece that's in service? If you don't have it in service, there's no way we'd be able to uh, service connect you unless we have that piece. And that sounds like basically paperwork. You need some kind of documentation that shows some kind of link between what you what you feel is a, a service related injury or problem with what 
the so the Millers can see that, make that connection. Is that am I interpreting that right? Is that right? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So now, what is so what's their recourse? So what happens then? So a person gets denied. Um, they have a, a, a painful injury, or they have a back problem. You know, what do they do next? So what can they do? This to, and say this. Say it's a situation where the VA just out, flat out denies them. Maybe they can't get that documentation. Is it easy to get this documentation, or is it something that you know that if they that many veterans can can't get to get the service that they they want or need? Are you speaking in regards to finding that piece in service, like finding yes. that medical documentation exactly in service? Well, um, it depends. Does it exist? So you know, a lot of times, did they go for treatment while they were on active duty? Um, or was it just something that happened and they just told their command and never sought treatment? So we need the documentation. Okay. There are certain situations. So let's say like PTSD, for example, that's a very common claim of veterans that served in combat roles. Oftentimes veterans are not going to be treated for PTSD or any mental condition during active duty, but we can, we can document that they were in a hostile terrorist um, active location in, you know, the, the Gulf War or Korea, Vietnam. And we can see that um, they, in fact, were in this location. And then we can see if there's a current diagnosis and a link between the two things. There are other situations where, like, injuries can happen, where we can get what we call buddy statements. Um, and those buddy statements can help substantiate claims if that veteran did, in fact, serve with that veteran at that time, and we can prove it. Okay. But in the case, once again, though, in those cases where they can't get that documentation, say a person um, – had an injury or something happened, but there was nobody that could verify. There's no documentation in the military. So what's their recourse now? Do they just go? Do they have to just go through the civilian system, or is that is there any other types of things that a veteran can do to, that the VA may help them with, or what's their next step? Okay, so if you're talking about healthcare purposes, they definitely can be entitled to healthcare, um, and that's through the VHA side, which I did used to work there a long time ago too, so I can speak a little bit about that. But um, entitlement vary based on different categories. I believe there's eight different categories of who's allowed to be treated. And if they fall within one of the categories, some of them are income, some are based on periods of service during wartime periods. Um, some are like if you have like a Purple Heart or certain awards, or if you're service-connected already, then you're entitled to VA health care. Typically, anybody who served on active duty should be entitled. The problem is that income it comes in to play a factor um, for certain veterans um, that have no kind of service-connected disability, so wartime service. Okay. So those veterans, um, you know, may have to try other routes, um, you know, civilian side, or there are some veteran, like, non-for-profit organizations that provide some care. And we do a lot of outreach and, and learn about those type of uh, resources for veterans, too, that we like to share when they come in and we're not able to help them. But, again, that's more of a... Um, Veterans Health Administration, that's a different administration part um, to see if they're eligible for those kind of benefits. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to distinguish because a lot of people don't realize that there are certain benefits you can get through the VA just, as, just being a veteran. Like, for example, I can go to the VA and get care, but I would, might have to pay mm -hmm. for it, or it, might, it wouldn't be necessarily a free-covered a free covered thing for me, myself, personally. But other people, when they go through and try to get care for stuff, we st we're still talking about what happened with Agent Orange, right, the Agent Orange during Vietnam. And people that are uh, the military is now finally recognizing that and doing things to try and get these uh, veterans treatment from that if they're exposed to that chemical. 
Um, however, you still have veterans out there that are this frustrated because they feel like they've been doing everything they possibly can do. And, to, and in their mind, it's just like, how could you say this is not a, 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 a service-connected injury? I'm, I'm having all these health issues 20, 30 years later after serving in a, a hostile environment, and they are not savvy with paperwork. They don't know. They're not accountants and lawyers. You know, <laughs> they're filling their, you know, their they're you know, mechanics and you know and 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 blue collar workers or whatever you know they're not they don't they don't do paperwork and do accounting for a living so they're basically trying to fill this stuff out on their own but you guys step in now and you can actually help them you know figure out this paperwork navigate those those uh those those turns those twists and turns in the in the process and get them hopefully get them the, the, the benefits now you mentioned one thing too about PTSD how do you think PTSD plays into a, a veteran's uh, mindset when they're going to apply for it, they're going to do something that may be challenging, like you mentioned, alluded to before, when you're denied a benefit, sometimes that could be very frustrating and it could be very, you know, just disarming or, or, or arming, basically. Um, so how has that played into, um, do you see PTSD have playing a role into how successful a veteran can be to, to apply for benefits? Does that make the make your job harder mm-hmm. to try and help uh, people with, that suffer from PTSD? And I ask that to both of you guys, John and, and, uh, and uh, Melissa. Well, I know PTSD, like, when I was coming out, that's a, a word that nobody wanted to talk about, right, especially veterans who want to pursue a job with uh, security clearance. If you have PTSD and diagnosed with it, obviously you can't – in the past you couldn't get a, a job with a high security clearance, but we know now that that's changed where that's no longer a factor into it, but I think – when it comes to PTSD, we have a lot of veterans who are suffering and don't still don't want to say anything. Um, I think there's still that perception of being weak if you're asking for help regarding PTSD. I mean, that's something that I think we need to change and try more outreach initiative with Melissa, right? Um, but I think a lot of that veterans just don't want to file PTSD. But if they do, sometimes they don't want to talk about it because it brings up triggers. And sometimes, unfortunately, if you don't talk about specifics, it could lead to not establishing a nexus, and you're not relaying that how severe it really is for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and that could lead to lower rating or maybe being denied because of that. Wow. So if so, is having PTSD and not admitting that you have PTSD can actually have an effect on whether or not you get benefits. Right, because especially if you don't want to talk about it or mm-hmm. seek treatment for it. Wow. Melissa, do you have anything to add about that? Yeah, I do. Um, I just wanted to add, um, you know, you had asked about what kind of assistance we have for veterans with PTSD-related types of claims. And we have um, an extra duty to assist those types of claims where we ask for specifics. So we send out these forms that are specific to that kind of claim that ask us, gives us these details that will help us prove what happened. Um, We we call the stressor, the in-service event. And once the veteran returns these forms, then we can help, you know, kind of substantiate the claim. In addition to that, veterans specifically with military sexual trauma um, also have an extra kind of coordinator who will reach out and help them guide them through the process. Military sexual trauma-related claims are often related to PTSD. PTSD is typically the disability that results from military sexual trauma. And so in that case, we have outreach coordinators for military sexual trauma. We also have claims processors that are specified um, to help these kind of veterans and these claims. And they send extra letters and extra duty um, to assist type of 
mail to, to help them along through the process. And we make phone calls and we reach out and um, they get a little bit more um, leeway, what we call a marker. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a reported event, but if we see a marker that is a possibility that something like that could have happened in the military, and that goes for personal trauma as well, personal trauma and military sexual trauma, um, we will we will consider that an in-service event. The other thing, the other pieces are still required, though. You still need a current diagnosis, and we need a doctor, a medical physician, to say that those two things are related, mm-hmm. so the in-service event and the current diagnosis. Right. So my last question, um, what is – give me a, a, a positive story, something that you've seen that really have given you hope and, and makes you let you know that you're doing something that makes a difference in the community and helping veterans. What's a, a powerful story that you saw, something that was just, wow, I'm, I did this, I helped this, this person out? What, what what stories do you have for me? I know I have one personally. Back in the day when I used to develop these claims, when I was a little lonely VSR, um, I looked through this claim really hard. It was a tough, tough claim. Went back to the 80s. Wow. Um, so what happened was that the VA actually killed this veteran off, per se, saying that he passed. Hmm. But he came in, filed a claim, and said, no, here I am. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't died so please reestablish my claim, which they did, wow. but they didn't go back and service connect them for every condition that I filed. So me being the young VSR looking through this, knew, noticed there was not, something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. So I brought to my quality um, coach at the time, um, noticed that, yeah, you're right, John, but we need to figure out which claim and what date. So I did my long, long research and found that they actually didn't service connect this veteran for actually PTSD, what we were talking about. And he got, eventually he got service connected back when I was working in 2010, got service connected back to 1981. Wow. So he had a huge retro. So, of course, me, I took it upon myself. I want to call this veteran and let him know what happened. Um, long story short, he was in tears because he was financially strapped and he really needed this money and he was getting ready to be homeless. So him getting a $100,000 retro was great. And I will always remember that story and that's why I won't work for the VA. Wow. Nowhere else. VA helped me when I, my wife made me go to VA, even though I didn't know what it was. <laughs> they helped me. So this is my first job out of the Army and will be my only job. And one more time before we wrap up, Melissa, can you give us how does a veteran get a hold of you guys? Where do they go? Website, phone numbers, addresses? Sure. Um, the phone number is 1 800 827 and um, they can always go on www.va.gov, and we got all the resources for the VA on there as well. I do want to put one last thing out there about outreach specific. Um, if any, like, um, you know, non-for-profits or faith-based initiative, um, we have a whole group of our initiative, what we're trying to do for outreach into the state of Illinois. If anybody has anything they want to email me um, to attend virtually at the moment for uh, COVID, um, but they can email me at melissa.jolly at va.gov, and that's spelled M-E-L-I-S-S-A dot jolly, J-O-L-L-Y, at va.gov. Thanks, you guys, for coming out. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And we'll be Thanks right for back. having us. We're always happy to do so. Anytime. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.